I'm Jack Stafford, and I interview inspiring people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. You can hear all the songs on Spotify, Deezer, iTunes. If you could save them to your li- save them to your library, add them to playlists so they reach more listeners, I'd really appreciate it. Today I'm speaking with my metaphysics teacher, one of the most advanced people I've ever heard of, let alone spoken to. Let's learn from Nehemiah Davis. Master Theory said one time that a worm is a worm because a worm believes that it's a worm. <laughs> so it sounds simple, but it's profound truth. You know, you think about that. You know, so we are where we are because we believe that that's where we belong. And we have the limitations we have because we have convinced the mind substance that we control that that's where we should be. And there's mind substance in everything. So though, there's mind substance in everything. You cannot, uh, I mean, we exist in a sea of mind. You know, that's what the teachings tell us. And you, and you know that because at a moment's notice, your whole environment can change by the shifting of your mind, of your perception. You know, once you perceive something a certain way, then your whole life changes. Now, are you sensitive sensitive enough to realize what that change is? Or are you just just there? (laughs) Mm. You know, like a leaf in the wind. So, but but we control our own reality. So. Yeah, I've I've read so I've read two of your books. Um, the first one was about prayer, and the second one was about mantra. And um, you also, and also in your classes, mm-hmm. in your YouTube classes, you 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 really go into the theory. It's very, you know, you're super laid out and uh, and practical. But then you do give these glimpses into your own experiences and those because those things we can relate to and some of the, those are the most mm-hmm. um eye-opening because you know you you just kind of drop them in you know as if and they're they're, they're very very profound for us i mean i remember some of the experiences you you when you were very young um you were you were praying for a you got caught in the rain coming home with your sister, wasn't it? And you, you prayed for a passage through the rain. You used the 12 blessings. And, um, mm-hmm. and, um, one. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and the rain parted. <laughs> the rain moved away and gave us a passageway through. And it was, uh, it started us, <laughs> but we took advantage of it. Because you, know? you were born in a yogic <laughs> family, everyone was practicing, and so it, yeah. So it's it's uh, you tell people that, and they think you're crazy, but it's true. It's true. So you know, I by practical experience as I grew up, and and t- well, I was taught those things at a very early age, and I practiced it all my life. I had uh, events like that. 
and and uh, it was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't strange to me because I expected it, but uh, it became strange later because I realized that most people was totally unaware of it. You know, they was totally unaware of the power around them and and the ability to mold and shape the reality. You know, they were they were caught up in all these superficial things. So, you know, and that's what that was more startling to me than than the, than a, a, than the divas opening up a passageway to allow us not to get soaked and wet and drowned in the in this rainstorm. As I grew up, I realized that a lot of people was totally unaware of the mystic teachings. And although I was uh, fortunate enough to have parents that taught me at an early age, I, I realized that the people around me had no clue about those teachings. And uh, they had no understanding of, uh, of mind, prana, uh, yoga, any of the mystic teachings. So uh, that put me in a whole different category. <laughs> I realized that. So I realized that I couldn't really speak openly about certain things, you know. But it, it took me on a journey of different experiences. So how many people are what you would, there must be grades of psychic abilities and awareness of the teachings. Um, how many people are, what you would, do you know who are, have the ability, these abilities? Oh, I've met hundreds of people with those abilities. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many over my lifetime, I probably met thousands, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of people not even aware of their psychic ability. They may have a certain skill, but when you examine them, you realize that it's a psychic skill <laughs> and they don't realize that it's a psychic skill. They just, they just go along because they feel like, uh, this is a skill that they developed. Like what kind of and thing? And they give other explanations for it, but really, like it's it's a it's either a deep level of, of concentration or 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 a heightened or, or a, a slight heightened level of contemplation. Contemplation is where a deep level of concentration brings on psychic abilities. Uh, uh, a, a lower level of contemplation brings on psychic abilities. A high level of psychic uh, contemplation brings on uh, real psychic abilities. So, uh, so, but a lot of people develop these things and don't realize that they that they they have developed it, you know, uh, by their own uh, practice, uh, diligent practice. Uh, a lot of athletes, I notice in my days had those abilities. Uh, uh, musicians, uh, doctors, 
uh, you know, these type of professions, you know, uh, firemen, <laughs> believe it or not, policemen, detectives, they have these this psychic ability that they're totally unaware of because the nature of their jobs bring, you know, push them in that direction to, to, to uh, develop certain mental capabilities that, uh, that allow them to examine something in a way that no one else examined it. And to see, you know, those phenomena that other people don't see. So, and remember, uh, in the practical sense, psychic ability is the ability to concentrate to the point where new information comes. And that's when you, that's, you, you move into uh, contemplation and contemplation is the psychic, psychic awareness is, is uh, in simple terms, is where the, is where the, uh, the physical uh, senses merge with the astral senses and create psychic senses, you know. Uh, in functional metaphysical terms is where the energies within the nadis uh, begin to uh, run in, in a course towards the brain and and stimulate, you know, vibrate the brain, and bring about a balance in the two hemispheres of the brain. Thereby merging the the uh, the astral with the psychic senses, and opening up a window of understanding, of translation, of mind substance on both levels. You know, not fully, but to a degree where you can analyze and sensitize certain uh, information that's being received by your senses. And that's what it is. So it's, it's not, it's no mystery or anything, it's just science. That's actually the second time this week I've heard an explanation similar to that. It was Richard Lawrence in the same podcast said that historians who might study a historical figure spend a lot of time concentrating, mm -hmm. concentrating, looking at them, studying them, and then they would get impressions about them, but they would deny them because they just think it would be their imagination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as our master, uh, Dr. George King, said that imagination is our only creative faculty, and that's so true. Because when you can uh, take your imagination and examine something, through imagination and visualization, then it exposes uh, the, uh, the the physical, emotional, uh, astral, and etheric substance that's there with that thing that you're looking at, and and uh, it's 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 everything lives, everything begins and lives in uh, this uh, auric space, which is like a nebula. You know, if you're thinking about, you think about it. You know, uh, the scientists talk about a nebula, and from this nebula, form the the the, the sun form, the planets form, and and uh, and it creates this solar system, and each planet has this this uh, this this atmosphere around it that came uh, uh, from from the sun. Really, it's a shared. It's a shared space of substance, 
And when they examine the sun, they notice that the sun creates uh, what they call uh, solar plasma. The, the yogis or the mystics, <clears throat> they call it tavic matter. And it creates this, this, uh, this space where the solar system can live. Now, the cosmic masters told us they circle around the solar system until for so many billions and billions of years until they're absorbed back into the sun and and they go on to a higher level of existence. You know, they come back out and a higher level of existence for a number of, of uh, incarnations until they themselves become a sun or, or something greater. So all of us uh, uh, in our own small spheres of existence, we have an aura and we feed off the substance of our aura. But when when you're on the physical plane, you don't necessarily recognize and see the aura, mainly because of your teachings or your or your belief system. But the aura is always there. But when you can tap into that that part of mind substance, you begin to see the aura. You know, there's there's practices where you can just stare into a mirror slightly upwards, and if you keep staring and keep believing that the, that you can see the aura, you'll begin to see the aura, or your own aura. And then eventually you'll begin to see other people's aura. And it's just shifting the mind to that level of understanding and existence, you know. But it's, it's nothing mysterious, it's, it's there, but we just have to accept that it's there. Yeah. Because the the sun is also the is it you, the atoms in our body and the the nucleus and the the uh, inside our, each side each cell is it's no accident that it's a reflection of the of the planets no and the sun yeah yeah we all all of us are solidified sunlight right. <laughs> you know that's what all our bodies are made from it's a shared substance from the sun. So, I mean, we we exist and have our being within that shared substance of the sun. So, and that's, that's what the mystics tell us. The scientists believe that now. But the mystics said it thousands upon thousands of years ago. So, yeah, it was a long way behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you developed, so, so clairvoyance receiving information is one of the, of the cities of this. And so that's, that's a result of concentration and then yep. you move on to contemplation and eventually meditation. But, um, but, um, yeah. just also some of the experiences you've had, they go kind of beyond receiving information though. You're able to control matter and, um, you, you learn to do astral projection, um, and so you can leave the physical mm -hmm. form and, and go on to other realms. Um, how was it to develop that? What, what mm -hmm. kind of experiences have, have you had through that? Well, I had a lot of experience. I don't like to talk about it, but uh, I was able, from a child, I was able to project naturally. 
And uh, and I thought everyone was able to do that. Like I said earlier, uh, it, I would go to sleep at night and I would be standing outside my body. I see my body laying on the bed and then I go play, I go running and looking. And, and it was not only me, I, I noticed uh, I had uh, my sister, I had another, a younger sister of mine that was able to do the same thing. And, uh, and my brother, my older brother, he was able to do the same thing. And uh, so we, you know, we would go out, sometimes we would hang together, sometimes we would go in different directions. But we were able to, to, uh, to do that. And later on, as you as you get as you reach puberty, you begin to lose those abilities, and then you had to you you, you had to work hard <clears throat> harder to keep those abilities or to refine those abilities. And I think mostly it's because of your environment, your uh, your interests, your uh, your uh, belief system that's been drilled into you by by the adults and teachers and people around you. Uh, but fortunately, I had uh, dozens and dozens of lecture tapes from Dr. George King. I had uh, uh, my father uh, that was there guiding and teaching me and my, and my older brother. And so I was able to harness back in and, and get my mind right and and begin to reserve some of those psychic abilities that that came to me naturally, you know, from a child, you know. So, and and I studied hard and worked hard and practiced on the yoga teachings for many many years. You also you did it from a young age, from three, and you also did seven years of, of very intense practices. I remember you said one time. A pranayama yeah, mantra, deep concentrations. On a daily basis, I did it. I did uh, the pranayama, the mantra, uh, the mm. prayers from His Eminence and the Master Jesus, and uh, and I would spend two, three, four, five, sometimes up mm. to six hours in, in uh, practice for many years until I began to obtain certain levels of consciousness. And uh, then I had to go out into the real world. <laughs> and, you know, in order to, you know, in order to function, I had to go into uh, to college, to the work, the work space, and, and had to deal with people on a regular basis. Did you make a conscious decision at that point, at some right. point, to go down the road of, of every? Because you have another, you're not, a, I didn't say professional yogi. You're not what? Because I'd have some public, some some psychics that want to come on this show. They have a PR agent, you know. They're writing all these books and they, but you have a day job. You're you're not doing this full time. So did you take a decision at some point? Yeah, I mean, um, the the job I took was I'm, I'm a community developer the job i took was to was to build a community back up and to 
and it's it's a it's a it's social service, it's it's business because uh, I was born into a, into one of the poorest towns in the United States. In fact, it was classified as the sixth oh, poorest wow. town in the United States. So uh, I spent the last thirty some years working in community development settings, helping the uh, the people. So uh, that's that's yogic work in my opinion. Kama yoga, you know, because I, yeah, I spent a lifetime serving, you know, and uh, and I helped many many people in the in the area. So uh, I wanted to, and from day one, uh, that's something I wanted to do. You know, um, I wanted to bring about decent, affordable homes. I wanted to uh, set up social service programs to help people deal with uh, uh, so many social ills that is you can't even explain it, you know. And and I wanted to uh, I wanted to help train younger people to be able to keep that work up even after I transitioned. And I and that was my con that was my ideal concept since I was twelve years old. So, so I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do, you know. I, I also went into the medical profession thinking that I could I could help that way, and I went to uh, I went to and got several medical certifications, and I found that I could do more uh, uh, for the people of the area by going into community development. And when when it happened to me, it it was. Uh, it just happened in a sense. Uh, everything just came together, and and I was able to. Uh, it was after Hurricane Andrew. Uh, although before then I was doing, I was in the medical profession. I sat on certain boards. I, I volunteered. You know, I did a lot of. Uh, I learned a lot. And and my father was a, a builder and architect, so I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from. Uh, from one of the members that I brought to the Therese Society at 17 years of age. Uh, I also found myself teaching at 17 years of age at the uh, at a local science of mind center. They had this open discussion and I, I would go in there and eventually the pastor asked me, the minister asked me to, uh, to give a couple of classes. And that's how I started out giving classes. And uh, really, I thought something was wrong with him because I didn't think I knew anything. <laughs> so, but uh, but I did it anyway, and uh, I end up uh, bringing a couple people to the Therese Society, and uh, and and I learned from uh, from him. That was Leo Bacchus. He he was a he was a general contractor, so I did hands-on stuff with him as well. He, he taught me. You know, I taught him metaphysics. He taught me his trade, and and I found later on that I can move on in that direction and help more people. And that's what I did for the for the last thirty some years. So, so, so I, I think that is a part of yoga. I think uh, uh, I don't uh, uh, I don't uh, I didn't create a yoga center. I did create the mystic. Uh, the, uh, the International Mystic Knowledge Center, uh, 
but I don't spend my whole day. I hope to retire into that, but I don't spend my whole day uh, focusing on that. But my, but I do talk to a lot of people uh, from all over the world uh, every week. Uh, the same way I'm talking to you, and uh, on on metaphysical subjects. People they write me, they uh, they call me, and and we talk, and I help them out in most cases, you know. Uh, but I, I think, you know, like the, like the master said, we have to, we can't go into the, you know, you know, into the wilderness and just don't communicate and help people. We have to be out. So from a very early age, I took an active stand in doing that, mm-hmm. you know. And, and after the storm, uh, after the uh, Hurricane Andrew, I uh, I did a lot of work and put a lot of housing into the area, and uh, and I was one of the people that helped transform that little town into a better place to live, you know. And uh, I got a lot of uh, awards, national awards, local awards for doing that, and. At the time, I didn't know I was doing anything special. I was just doing what I was doing, you know. And, you know, then later on, as I kept the work up, I refused awards because it gave you the wrong uh, spotlight and it kind of stopped you from doing what you needed to do, <laughs> you know. It, when people put too much spotlight on you, you, you have people constantly coming, disturbing you, and you can't finish the job that you're doing. So you just want to work and, and make sure that things get done. So. Yeah, I remember you you saw that you had you could see the hurricane coming. You had you, you used your psychic abilities to to warn a lot of people to leave the area before it came. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, and and uh, the first time I had the psychic experience, I I didn't know what was happening. I uh, I, I I had just finished. Uh, it was years ahead. It was years before, and and I had uh, I had just finished my pranayama session. I had like a three-hour wow. pranayama session, and press, and and I came out of I came out of my house and I walked to the end of the of the the sidewalk that was that came from the porch, and I would go there and I would sit there for ten, fifteen, sometimes twenty minutes just to regroup. You know, and it was a huge forest with a lot of pine trees right in front of the house. So that was a nice place to sit, you know. So, uh, and just before I sat down, I walked. When I walked to the end, I walked into the future. And all around me, the whole neighborhood was not what it was. It was it was it it was all new houses all new buildings the whole city had transformed and i'm looking and saying what just happened to me and uh and the the houses that was knocked down and rebuilt <clears throat> the person who rebuilt them they gave them pastel type colors which which had a certain signature to it you know <laughs> you know you can't take that out of your mind because of the uh, the color array, 
and I'm looking at it, and uh, and uh, Anna Voice said, "This is the future after the uh, the hurricane or the storm or whatever." And then I I, I stepped one for one. Uh, I think I stepped forward, and it all disappeared. You know, the vision went away, and then years later. There, you know, it was uh, the storm was headed our way, and and but after that, I had like two or three more visions of the same thing. And uh, when the storm was headed that way, I told everyone, "Say, we're not going to be able to stop this storm. It's going to hit. It's going to destroy the area." And I told everybody that was connected to me, and I told them to tell people who was connected to them mm-hmm. to get out, to get out of the pathway or buckle down because it's going to be a terrible storm. And the storm transformed that area. <laughs> so, and then we spent we spent uh, two or three, four years just rebuilding. You know, we went almost almost uh, we went almost six months to a year with no electricity. You know, in that area. So the National Guard had to come in and bring about control and set up. Feeding areas, you know, it's terrible for the vegetarians, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> so we had to travel so far away just to get our food because the food that the army or the Red Cross was giving was, they didn't think you've, about You've never eaten meat, no? In your whole no, life? Yeah. No. No. The times, that, the times that I, that traces of meat got into my food, I was, I end up in the hospital. Wow. So I never ate meat. So my, my whole family was vegetarians. Now some of them, as they grew older, they began to eat uh, uh, fish and chicken, and, you know. But I never did that. But but yeah, so it was a that was a real uh, experience back then with uh, Hurricane Andrew. It was a real experience. And do you use your psychic abilities in in your day job? Does it help, do they help on a day to day basis as well? No, I don't focus in on that. I mean, it you just see things, and uh, I don't really concentrate on that. I try not to. Uh, I, I try not to focus in on that. It's uh, like Dr. Joe King told us that you you know you can't you can you have to stay practical in a sense. Uh, but if someone comes in my presence, I may see things, know things, I may never talk about it. And 99% of the times I won't talk about it. And I don't invade people's privacy. Only time I, I will look into a person or, or a particular object is to, is for security reasons, you know, to make sure that I'm all right, you know, or the people around me is all right. But other than that, I, I try to use my abilities to understand, to teach, to serve, you know, uh, not to, you know, not to just uh, find all the secrets mm-hmm. <laughs> about people and the things around me or to gain money or something like that. I guess you're so incredibly grounded because you, you, know, you did it from such a young age and you had such a good upbringing in the yogic family that you yeah, and, and we got to live by the laws of karma, you know. And I, our first thing is we have to learn to 
live in this environment that we put ourselves in. You know, so in doing that, we have to uh, do like the masters do. We have to uh, uh, live a strict comic life. You know, learn to follow uh, the path of karma. And since and since we're so ignorant on so many things, uh, we have to be cautious on how we move forward. You know, so uh, you know you have to examine things to the detail before you move forward with that action. Because that action might hurt other people or hurt hurt the things around us. Because so many things we do in our environment destroy other life forms, but we're like totally unaware of that because of our ignorance. So we, you know, we need to, uh, you know, as you grow in in your uh, in your in your spiritual life and your awakening, you need be you need to be aware of all the life forms around you that's helping you to sustain your life, and all the life forms around you that's striving for for uh, for spiritual. Uh, growth themselves, and and our actions stunt the growth of other people sometimes because we because we're so oblivious to everything around us. So so those you know if you use your psychic ability uh, for anything you use it for that and and one of the things you do you you know you know we're taught that once you develop uh, concentration you move into contemplation. Contemplation moves you into into a psychic uh, uh, realm where you can begin to examine things. Where you examine those things uh, in a silent way, and in in a sense, uh, you develop uh, this thing called sem, uh, semyama, and you do a semyama on everything around you, so you know your environment, and you silently do a semyama. And there's levels of samyama, so there's different levels of samyama. So you examine everything around you so that you can know how to work around that thing, or act around that thing, or or or, or do whatever you do without disturbing, because that's your goal. Your goal is not to uh, to use your abilities for selfish reasons, but you use your abilities in order to sustain life and grow life within you and around you. You know, and uh, eventually your psychic abilities move to an advanced psychic level. And that's when you uh, move into the higher levels of contemplation and lower levels of meditation, you know, and you move into uh, after you can uh, move into the lower levels of meditation, you eventually move into the, the levels of samadhi. There's many levels of samadhi until you have this deep, deep samadhi, you know, and uh, and then you go, from there you go into cosmic consciousness. But at the same time, there's one thing that, which Dr. King talks about and the masters talk about, and that is that you, 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 you realize that you have to work within the strict laws of karma. 
you can't just go rogue. <laughs> you need to, you need to understand and by and and see. All the yogas teach us that from thousands of years ago. You know, nanny yoga. You cannot have nanny yoga without karma yoga. Nanny yoga is it teaches you intelligent movement. What is karma? Karma is action. You know, you know the the, the Sanskrit terminology for karma is action you know because why because in order to have action there's you know you know there's a law that you must follow in order to move from point a to point b and move from point b to point c you always have to follow rules and regulations if you don't you find that you can't make it to the next point until you conform yourself to the rules how do you conform yourself to the rules? You conform yourself to the rules by nanny yoga, by intelligent movement, intelligent understanding. See, so all the yogas have been teaching us this for 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 millions of years. You know, you have nanny yoga, you have karma yoga. Karma yoga, nanny yoga, and karma yoga is one and the same. It's there is no difference between the two, and then. You have Bhatta Yoga. Bhatta Yoga is the yoga of, uh, of devotion. But there's another thing to Bhatta Yoga. It's observance of God. Because if you're devoted to God, you observe the rules and regulations <laughs> and the atmosphere in which God has placed you in. So Bhatta Yoga and Nana Yoga and Kama Yoga is one and the same. So it, it all it all helps. The next yoga you run in, you run into is Raja Yoga, which is mental, which is the yoga of mental development. But how do you shape and mold your environment through mental development? When you gain the power over mind, you you know how to manipulate your environment. And how do you manipulate your environment? By following the rules, by having the, the nanny. Uh, yoga, which teaches you intelligent movement, which helps you to predetermine your actions. And Kama Yoga is the rules that the, the universal, the cosmic rules of predetermining your action. And Bhatta Yoga teaches you to observe the divine, the creator, you know, and 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 by 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 devotion to the creator, you devote yourself to the laws of karma, you know? So all the yogas play into itself. Now, Raja Yoga is the royal yoga because why? Raja Yoga lay out the pathway to uh, uh, to the divine. Inside of Raja Yoga, you have the eight limbs of yoga. And the eight limbs of yoga go, go, go right back to the beginning, which is yama, which is uh, control your thoughts and actions, niyama, observe the divine creator you know you know so it is all the all the the, the the limbs teaches you about karma about karma yoga about making the right actions predetermining your actions you know uh, uh, you you have you have uh, uh, the third I think the third yoga the third limb is asana which is the seat of power where you learn how to uh, uh, mobilize yourself and immobilize yourself through mudras in order to seat 
in order to in, in, in order to direct uh, uh, the energy within you, because Muda Yoga or Sanas is is uh, directing the energy, the energy, the mind and energy through your body and creating a seal so that you can receive the energy and then redirect the energy in the right way. That's what that's what it's about. Pranayama uh, is the next, it's the fourth one, where you, after you have prepared yourself to take the energy, then you begin to take the energy into yourself, you know, and you distribute the energy in the right way, following the laws of karma, you know, and then you then you go to uh, Pratahara. Pratahara is, uh, is, is withdrawing the senses. You withdraw the senses within you because not, because you found, because you have, you, you have worked to on, on the first four limbs of yoga, you know, and and you you know you you brought about control. You're observing the divine. You prepare yourself to receive the 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 the, the, uh, the energy of the divine, and you have strictly followed the rules of pranayama in in bringing the the energy in and disposing of the energy. And now you can work on your senses. You withdraw the senses so that you recognize the divine spark of God within you. You know, and and then you go into the mental world uh, where all of us really live, and you can and you and you use these weapons to bring about concentration, contemplation, and meditation, as Dr. King has described to us. And and that's and that's the pathway. That's the road towards development and 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 in your development you'll notice that that uh that you must conform yourself to the laws of karma as dr george king taught us you know and conforming yourself to the laws of karma is you must be of service 24 hours a day <laughs> you know because if you do it the first 12 hours while you're awake you'll do it the the next 12 hours while you sleep or resting you know you know, so but the laws, the, the the knowledge have always been here, and and I, all the masters got it right. Uh, the last few masters define it better than 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 the first group, and and it was only defined better, I think, because we because they help us uh, awake, uh, you know, bring about awakening in ourselves to recognize what they were saying. Because in most cases, people don't recognize truth. You can you can you can speak truth all day long, all day long to them, and they they don't hear you. You know, they only hear what they want to hear. Mm. You know, and that's the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you've done thousands of hours of of free video classes on YouTube. That's how I found you. I was in India. Um, I started waking up at three thirty-three every night, and um, it was a. So, and I googled it. You know, what what does that mean? And that said, in the YouTube videos, you should just look around for um, for uh, synchronicities in the daytime. Maybe he's getting some messages. And I saw I was staying behind a Kundalini center, and someone said Kundalini to me uh, somewhere mm -hmm. else. And then my doctor said, read the Serpent Bower, and. So I tried to get that, but it's a very complicated book now. So I, I ended up just searching from YouTube as you do for a video class and yours, yours came up first. So, and you explained it so clearly because it's such a, you know, there's truth there, 
in your face, but it's very complicated. You made it <laughs> so clear, you know, you really explained it very well. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. It's the hours and hours of service you've done there. I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, I have a lot of uh, students over in India that write me or call me or whatever. Because you, know. you explain it so clearly, you know, and without the Sanskrit so. and without the... Yeah, but, yeah, because they told me that no one teaches it the way I do. It's, you know, it's, it's very mysterious and complicated. And, and I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why they would do that. You know, why they make it so complicated. But when you go, when you went back to the serpent power, you was able to understand and see it, right? Um, I haven't got the book, so I haven't gone back. I've kind of accelerated through it. I just kind of found the Ethereum Society and found that a lot more interesting and a lot more Westernized. And download, okay. download the book. All right. <laughs> download the book. The, the, book, the book the book is on my website so you just, that's another you just thing when you're on your website you have all these it's, books it's, for free this these these mystery school books which yeah. you know you would never get one mm -hmm. of them is worth more than um you just i know they're all for free there i mean it's incredible so if anyone's looking for truth i mean there's mm -hmm. enough for a few lives just on your website yeah. so <laughs> but the, the the thing is is that uh Dr. King teaches make things so simple. The nine freedoms, yeah. And he's able, yeah, he's able to bring you to to a point of understanding and enlightenment. But the the problem with with that with most people is that he did the detailed work. You know, so we need to do some of the detailed work. If you go back, if, if, if you listen, if you, if you study his teachings, go back to the Serpent Power book or, and even go back and you don't have to read all of it. Just read one passage and you'll be blown away with the level of understanding you gain from that because you studied the Ethereum okay. Society teachings. You studied the teachings of, of, of Dr. George King and the Cosmic Masters and and You'll, you'll, you'll see the serpent power and a Adam lot Blavatsky of those books secret in a whole different way. secret doctrine. You begin to understand what she was trying to say, you know. And uh, and Dr. King says it in 20, 30 minutes when it took her volumes of books. So because of course she was speaking from a different language. She was. Uh, you know, she was, I think she was a duchess and she, she traveled the world and, you know, she, you know, it was so many things that was uh, stopping her from being able to be as clear. But when you look at it overall, she was very clear for her time. Okay. You know, she was very, uh, uh, you know, uh, powerful for her time. I mean, who... Who in eighteen in the eighteen hundreds, eighteen sixty or seventy was telling was writing a, a, a article uh, describing the, the pain that she felt from all the the animals being slaughtered at at sunrise in order to put food on the table. You know, she described that so. Uh, I mean, so uh, clear 
that it would make you just cry. You know, she said millions of chickens and, and, and you know, pigs and, and cows, they've been slaughtered right now because the sun has just risen. What a way to honor a God, huh? You know, and, and that's one of the things that she was trying to explain to people to take on a life of vegetarianism. You know, the karma, the collective karma that we're placing on ourselves. You know, in honor of the sunrise, we go and take a, a, a defenseless animal and, and chop their heads off and begin to, uh, you know, clean it in, 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 in order to feed ourselves when the earth give us all the food that we need by planting the seed. You know, and and when you when you plant when the, when you pick the fruit off the off the off the uh, the tree, you take the seeds and you honor the, the the plant by replanting the seeds. And that's a good that's good mm-hmm. karma, you know. But to take a chicken, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, and 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 kill it. And a fear, that's, that's, it might be good karma and negative karma, but I think it's more negative karma than good karma. It's good karma that you're nourishing the body, but it's negative karma that you're taking a life. You know, then there's another negative karma that you're putting those basic mental vibrations inside your body without properly cleansing them. You know, so, you know, so those are type of articles and books that she wrote in her time, which is, she was also the first person to mention the law of attraction i think which is very popular now i don't know if she was the first person but she made it she had over a hundred thousand members and followers uh, just in i think i think just in united states and uh and and parts of europe Hmm. and that was a lot for those days you know and then she began to uh she had a large following in India too, you know, and the, and the Tibetan people honor her too. Mm. But uh, I would go back after studying the Third Society and hearing the keys to understand those teachings. You'll find that they're very similar teachings, and that uh, and that Dr. King just explained okay, it better. I'll, I'll do that. You know, with with few words. It's, it's, it's the same thing with the serpent power, you know. Um, Dr. King explained it with few words, very simple. But Avalon gives you a lot of the details, you know. The serpent power gives you a lot of details, you know. Uh, you know, so that's I would do that if you really want to be I a do, student yeah. of that. I've just got suddenly overwhelmed with this podcast project and I spend more time researching other guests than I because I did a lot of intense study with of you and then I have curtailed it because of, of time with this project. But um, Richard Lawrence talks a lot about in in his that now the, the service that Karma Yoga is the is the fast is the fast path now. Have you have you contemplated on that? Do you think do you think that's true? Well, I, I always thought that. I, you know, that's that's because you cannot have, like I said earlier, you cannot have nanny yoga mm. without karma yoga. You cannot have uh, bhati yoga without karma yoga. You cannot have raja yoga without karma yoga. Uh, you can't have hatha yoga, mantra yoga, muda yoga, 
uh, none of the yogas, none of the yogas can you have without Kama Yoga. And remember, the key word for Kama Yoga is action, you know, and it's, it, it's a balanced action. So all the yogas teaches you what? How to balance your actions on one level or another, you know. So so you cannot have any of these yogas, Tantra Yoga. Tantra, tantra Yoga is balancing your actions by doing what? By taking all your actions, because tantra, uh, tantra Yoga is a yoga where you loom right. all the yogas together in order to do what? In order to force an awakening of Kundalini. But it's balancing your action. The key word is action. So what is the what does action mean in ancient in ancient Sanskrit? It means karma. It means karma. So so you you karma yoga is the yoga for all the centuries. Okay. For all the centuries. So that's that's you know, Dr. King just came and just told us this. You know, and laid it out in such simple understanding that we can go back and examine the ancient teachings and say, oh, my God, this been here all the time. And we did not see it. But we should do. But it took. Uh, uh, but we, st we should still do huh? some mantra and pranayama daily practices to. Yeah, of course. Of course. Dr. Yeah. King told us to do that. He told us to do, that. you know, but he said you cannot go in the caves and do it. You must do it around around everyone. You know, you must live a daily life and do this at the same time. You know, so that means sacrifice. That means predetermining your actions. You know, instead of instead of uh, uh, going out and partying and, and eating and socializing and, and watching 10 hours of television a day, you take three, four hours and you do your, your mantra, your prayer and, you know, and your healing work. Uh, for the world, you know, and you begin to notice that you balance your actions, you know, you begin to practice, uh, devote more uh, 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 time and energy to to the right comic actions by balancing your actions, you know, and you'll notice a difference. And not only that, uh, you create, uh, uh, you begin to code the aura uh, you know, in a certain way, and when you code or in a certain way, you 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 clear the naughty pathways to allow you to have clear vision, clear uh, clear smell, clear taste, clear touch. You know, because why all the obstruction or the the the, uh, the negative some uh, uh, some that you built up in the body begin to fade away. They begin to be burnt up, or and 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 you move all that obstruction, and then all of a sudden you begin to become awakened. You know, because why? You're balancing your actions. You're coding the aura. You're coding the nautic the nautic pathways. The nautic pathways is the flow of energy that's going through your 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 mental and vital uh, 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 bodies, whether it's the physical body, the astral body the emotional body, the mental body, or the etheric body, you know, and now you can think better. You can feel the power of God coming in and out of uh, the naughty knots, the the, uh, the, the, the cosmic uh, uh, vortex centers called the chakras. You begin to feel that energy moving in and out. 
and you become awakened, you know. So, yeah, I, I agree with Richard Lawrence. I agree with, uh, with, with Dr. George King on those points. It's, it is the, uh, it's the new yoga, as Dr. King described it in the early 70s. You know, uh, uh, the uh, yoga of service is, uh, and, and let me tell you, um, uh, the, the Tibetan that spoke through, um, Alice Bailey, said that in the early 1920s, you know, said the same thing. In fact, uh, uh, he predicted that uh, a Bodhisattva, which is a cosmic master, would be born. In fact, in fact, he said uh, there was three that was going to be born three uh, back then. And one was going to, uh, yeah, he, he predicted the coming of Dr. George King. And she predicted the coming of Dr. George. They said one would be born in England and he would set up a, a world serving group in England and then he would move to, to California and he'll set up a world serving group in California. You know, and they will usher in a new age. That was predicted, you know, uh, way back then, uh, in in the early 1900s, the, early, the late 1800s, early 1900s. It was predicted by Alice Bailey and the Tibetan that spoke through her. And uh, and then they said uh, in uh, it was I, I remember reading uh, one of my students tucked my books where the book that marked up all the. <laughs> Uh, all the predictions, uh, they tuck it out of my library. And, but it's there in one of her books. I think it's in the, uh, I think it's in the, uh, uh, the esoteric psychology book that she wrote. It's, it's in one of those volumes she wrote where she described, and she said that in, in the 1970s, this organization would, would usher in uh, a new yoga for the world. And in the 1970s, Dr. King gave us Operation Prep. Probably gave us a lot of different uh, new yogas, but uh, one of the newest yogas was Operation Prep. But she predicted that her and the Tibetan that spoke, the Tibetan that spoke through her was uh, a member of the Great White Brotherhood. And, and, and they predicted that the coming of this, of, of the organization called it their Do you know where the two other lights were born? It was she predicted. Uh, I don't. I, it was somewhere in the uh, in the east, in the Middle East, you know. And she talked about. She also talked about that one of the Bodhisattvas would, because uh, the Bodhisattva is a great avatar that came to the earth. That you know, and uh, they. Uh, she 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 also predicted. Uh, she talked about the uh, the twelve uh, evil uh, black musicians that was in the world. And that, uh, and and that uh, that the these bodhisattvas was coming to uh, clean up the lower astral realms. Uh, the uh, you know, so she, yeah. Uh, yeah, she she predicted that as well. You know, she said that was one of their main missions was to come here and and uh, clean up and because she said that there's twelve, the twelve. Um, she talked about the 12 uh, evil entities or that she said six of them lived in the in the ancient world in in uh in the oriental world how she was how she described it 
and six live in the Occidental world, which she called the Western world. And she said that they control the world. You know, uh, they move, they have the governments to move in the directions that they, they move into. But I would have never probably seen that and understood that if I didn't listen to the teachings and study the teachings of their society. <laughs> so that's why I say go back after you gain the and you connect with the master because the master is still here, you know, in spirit and in his teachings. And when you make that connection with his with his teachings and his all his uh, his auto recordings, it awakens you right. in a sense. And then you can see what uh, what these other uh uh, adepts and masters who wrote, you know, hundreds and hundreds of volumes, you can begin to see what they couldn't tell you openly. And he had the ability to tell us openly, in a sense. Even he had restrictions, but he had a simplicity about in the way he spoke to to open our minds. And, and we were able to yeah, see. I connected with him in a way that I could never, so, have, I never have done with the esoteric teachings with yeah yeah because they spoke right. in cold <laughs> you know and, and you know they just didn't have the ability or didn't have the permission at that time so i'm, I'm working on a song um i've already worked the i don't dwell on your physical shell which i thought had a quite quite a poetic rhyme mm -hmm. a nice meter to it uh, i was inspired by your <laughs> Your the because your next book is the mystic about the mystic constitution of man. Um, I just need a few more lyrics mm -hmm. for the verse, so maybe you could just quickly tell me a little bit about the mystic constitution of man. A huge subject, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a huge subject. I, I mean, um, I think all the books talk about the mystic constitution of man, and because it was introduced to me at a very early age, I think I was maybe like three or four years old when I first heard it. And, uh, but all the books, even the serpent power was about the mystic constitution of man, you know. Uh, Dr. King gave a, a initiatory tape uh, when you when you joined the mystic order of St. Peter, he gave uh, a book, I mean, uh, a lecture on the mystic constitution of man. He doesn't call it that, but he call it something else. But it's that's what it describes in this constitution of man. But uh, so all the metaphysics, if you if you sum it up, it talks about it describes the spirit, you know, which is the divine spark of God. That that's our real self, the I am, and that spirit never move his position because it's always with the divine spark. It lives on that on that on that rim that uh that's always been here. You know, it was it was never created. And and then the spirit creates the soul and the soul becomes the body, the traveling body of the spirit. And and then the soul creates the auric body, which is the indescriptible body. And that body takes the journey, takes on the journey of involution 
and evolution. Now the soul, the soul is, uh, it, it takes a position with the spirit in order to constantly communicate with the spirit. But it also takes another position as the traveling aspect of the spirit. In order to do that, it creates the auric body. And the auric body is like this nebula that pulls in the, the substance from the universe or the galaxy or the perspective galaxy that is within. And it forms this auric structure that's indestructible. And it moves on a journey to take us through involution and evolution back to the, the uh, divine spark. You know, so in doing that, the soul, I mean, the, the auric body through, through soul management, as Dr. King described it, uh, takes on these, uh, takes on a mental body, uh, 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 this, the, the, this, uh, this mental body takes advantage of the, the uh, cosmic energy that the auric body is designed to pull from the uh, Mahabindus of the, of the galaxy, which is the, the suns and planets of, this, of the galaxy. And then this, this mental body shape and mold uh, this, this, this shati, this modified shati substance from these great celestial gods into the etheric body, into, uh, uh, into Kundalini, uh, into the emotional body, into uh, lower levels of the mental body, into the astral body, into the physical body. And then it cycles these bodies in and out for hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of incarnations until it get to a point where the, the, the risen or ascended body utilized the full source of the org body. And Dr. King described to, to us that the aura is uh, the the aura is absorbed back into the space of the physical body, and then you have an so ascended body or a cosmic body. Okay. Yeah, that's the level of ascension, you know. And uh, this the uh, the Vedas speaks about it too. They say the same thing that a master. An avatar has no aura. A great master has no aura because they have absorbed all the energy within them. And they only use that energy according to the strict laws of karma. So they don't pollute the atmosphere the way we constantly pollute the atmosphere with our negative thoughts and our aimless uh, actions and movements that means nothing but to create waves of negative energy that seem to to drag uh, everything around us down. When the great avatars move, they move with precision, understanding, and direction, you know, predetermined direction. So, mm. and that's karma. That's karma. It always go back to karma. So, so this, you know, even when you read the the uh, the 
the episodes or the the uh, events that Dr. King talk about in his contact with the great masters, you'll always see that all their actions are very precise on what they do and how they do. It, you know, and and it's it's really amazing. The more you study it and read it and and listen to it, it's profound that they still can have this <clears throat> this so-called individual life but yet still follow the laws of common you know where they don't step out of bounds and every action is predetermined to bring about a series of actions that will better the position of humanity and the and the celestial uh, uh, gods as well Okay, thank you very much. I'll, I'll finalize that song. Well, this has been great. I, okay. I keep, could keep going on chatting to you for hours, but uh, I know you've got to get to work. So thanks thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. Um, thanks for inviting me. I'm, uh, I've got to be speaking with um, my next podcast already today. I'm recording it with um, uh, um, the King, King Yoga um, we, we're talking about pranayama, okay. and um, so we're uh, mm -hmm. about pranayama. And um, when I was in India, when I first started practicing pranayama, I was having a, a very intensive Ayurveda treatment with these oils, which is super pranic. And when I started waking up at three th yeah. thirty-three, and um, my count then was was ninety seconds in, ninety seconds out. I could do really long breaths. I'd never been able. I can't mm -hmm. do that now. Um, and so that's something we're practicing with the uh, mm -hmm. breathing just to give people an idea I know it's not you know boast about these things but when you're doing a th when you've done a th you know three hours session and you've been doing it for years what yeah. would your count roughly could you get up it could be nine it could be 90 to 100 or even more you know uh, I went into sessions where I didn't have to breathe so, and, and I went into sessions where, uh, in fact, the first time it happened, I think I was around 15 or 16 years old. I didn't know what was happening. Uh, I stopped breathing, my heart stopped, and, and I had a Kundalini rising. And my mind expanded across the city and, and across the county. And then my mind went up into the upper atmosphere of the earth. You know, and and I realized at that point I was having a Kundalini, a spontaneous Kundalini rise. So you can, it, it happens. <laughs> so don't think that it doesn't happen. But fortunately, I had my father there who had experience. And uh, when I came out, I was mentally disheveled, you know, and I was drained and, and my father, uh, did uh, pranayama healing on me and him and my brother in order to help me through the, the process. But uh, it it happens when you when you do these long pranayama for years. It happens, you know. And at that time, I, I think that was like that was my fifth or sixth year because I started around ten or eleven years old trying to do it for hours and hours on end every day. So, but it you know. It can get really, really intense, but you have to keep it up in order to yeah. be able to do that. 
in our, in our panels or our sessions. With your students, you advise them to do it very slowly and... Um, to yeah, and, 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 and my whole thing, too, is knowledge. You know, because uh, a lot of people go into this, and they, and they, especially in the Western world, they go into it and they try to describe it, describe things according to their emotions. And that's why you should always have, even Dr. King said, study the teachings. He said, I'm not here to teach you the teachings. You know, uh, I'm here, I, he had a specific mission here. But, but uh, you know, and, and you go back and listen to his, his lectures in the 12 Blessings and the Nine Freedoms, he'll, he, he, he put a lot of emphasis on studying the ancient teachings, you know. And and that uh, and, and even one time he he was talking about uh, the AUM and the uh, the new information that came out through Mars Sector Six about transmutation and not transmigration. He he said that he didn't think that anything could be improved on the ancient teachings. That was his words. He said, but Mars Sector Six it was the right kind of time to introduce that new information. So so. So in the Western world, they dismiss a lot of the ancient teachings. And but you can you can he gave us a lot of great masters that we could study behind, or adepts that we could study behind. Mm. They got it right, you know. Swami Vivekananda got it right, you know. I think he was a member of the Great Right Brotherhood. Uh, uh, Swami Sivananda, who was another cosmic master, mm. got it right. You know, a lot of his students got it right. So, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot of teachers out there that uh, that got it right. He he spoke he spoke about the serpent power. Dr. King said that uh, you can read the book for 20 years and you only understand two or three pages. I have the same that was feeling. A quote from him. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a quote for him. So. So he, but so he said, but he, he he didn't say not study it. He said study it. But the guide to studying right, is right. his teachings. So you, you you study his teachings and you go back and you can see these things and you can begin to describe them better instead of describing them in a very emotional state from your feeling and your feeling, but your feeling is absent of detailed information and knowledge. You know, you know, so. So you, you know, and Dr. King was a scientist, so we should honor him in studying those things. You know, use his teachings as a rule. Go back and study these teachings and then you'll see, even if they miss something, his teachings fill the gaps because something he told us would describe right. what they were trying to say and describe it in a better way. And I know it may take a couple of lifetimes to do that, but now. it's worth doing. <laughs> You know, so. Well, thanks very much. It's been like a, a light shining into my room speaking to you. I sh you know, and, and the classes on Sunday, every Sunday, I, I love just listening. And I don't have so many questions anymore because when I first came, I had loads of questions, you know. But now I just kind of, you know, I, I kind of kind of the main ones have been answered. So I just kind of just go to be in your presence and to just to be have my enthusiasm refreshed, you know, because I don't have anyone around me here who's into who's in any way into of this so thank you for for giving us your time all right thank you for having me all right don't dwell on your physical shell 
soul's unique ephemeral transient use it while you've remnants your body you made it wasn't god he'd have done a better job don't dwell on your physical shell this is the only thing you see open to the entire spectrum be all you can be see the people go through hassle building their little sad castles wanna make you big wanna make you thin all before the tide comes in wearing it out cause you're nervous instead of living in selfless service hold yourself back limit the senses get stuck behind illusory fences cause you fell for your physical shell and you think it's all you desires with the love or in the fires reincarnating here and there back and forth until you evolve don't dwell on your physical shell cause it's far more to you it's often a matter more think about what Thanks for tuning in. You can get the song on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, anywhere songs live. I'm actually releasing them a little bit later there, so people first come to the show to listen to the songs, and then afterwards on the streaming services. But you can go directly to podsongs.com and get it from there for a dollar. That really helps my music, pay my musicians, Mauricio Sanicola, Massimino Vozza, uh, Luigi Falcione, and my researcher Dori Verbo. Otherwise, streaming really pays peanuts. Thanks again. See you next time.